When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So let's just get started. Good morning, Alice. Hi, Alice. Let me hit that right there. Hi, Alice. Morning. Good morning. I have a question about chayote squash. Okay. I was given a box of that and didn't know what to do with it, but I peeled them and I used the, you know, cut them in little pieces like a chip and used them for a dip. Uh Uh-huh. And then I shared them with everybody I knew because nobody knew about, you know, they don't buy them to eat, so didn't know how to cook them or anything, (laughs) but I creamed some, and it was all very good. Right. That was two weeks ago. I went out there yesterday to uh, get some more of them, and goodness, they already have a a sprout about three or four inches long and some roots at the the large end. You know that they're pear-shaped. Right, right. Right. So it's the large end that has that sprout. Now, is this a winter squash, and do I put it in the ground, or, or do I put it in a pot, and uh, does it vine, or what? I don't know anything about it. Can it, it, be it will make a vine, and if you want to grow it through the winter, uh, it will have to go in a pot. It will have to be protected from a hard freeze. Uh, the term winter squash versus summer squash is very misleading because um, it doesn't mean we grow one in the winter or one in the summer. It's just that the things that we call winter squashes, they tend to be take a lot longer to produce. Our so-called summer squashes produce in as little as 40 or 50 days. The winter squashes may take 150 days or more, and they call them winter squashes because they pick them at the beginning of of winter uh, not because they will tolerate the cold so um, you can treat them uh, you can pick them smaller and more tender and use them like you would use a sun, summer squash or you can let them become you know fully mature they get that harder tougher skin and if kept cool and dry they will store for quite some time but now that you have one with some sprouting going on if you want to save that particular one through the winter months you need to pot it up put it in a pot um, let it grow it will make a vine and just cover it or bring it in anytime we're going to be below freezing well that's good to know because i have never um they're very bland in taste uh-huh. but uh they serve the purpose and take a, you know to take the place of uh, chips which we don't need <laughs> you're exactly right now i'll have to i'll have to say sweet potato chips and some other things that are baked rather than fried they can be pretty tasty and not so bad for you but uh I'm with you. You know, squash, broccoli, those are the things that I want to put a healthy dip on. But, um, uh, yeah, they they are very versatile in the different things you can do with them and very easy to grow. So I'm sure glad you discovered them. All right. I think Alice uh, dropped off there. So let's just keep going here. Next up uh, will be Ed. Good morning, Ed. Uh, Good morning. Morning, sir. Um, how are you this morning? Oh, just can't complain about a thing other than the fact that I'm inside and it's beautiful outside. But considering the temperature, it's probably good to be inside. So we just enjoy it, bundle up, and get out in a little while. That's right. Uh, I've got a question. I've got uh, some potted plants that froze a couple of weeks ago when that hard freeze came through. Right. 
and, I, and I've got some black cow uh, topsoil. Can I use that topsoil, um, like a third of it, and mix it in to help build that potting soil back up to plant? In the spring? Well, it's not really a soil. It's just a super well-rotted cow manure. And um, yes, you can certainly use it as an additive, as an amendment that is far enough broken down that it that it certainly can be mixed into the soil. Um, does it have all the life? Does it have all the goodness of a really uh, multi-source compost? No, it's basically just a manure-type compost, but uh, the price is certainly right, and uh, you could actually, it's far enough broken down, at least most of the bags that I've ever opened, it's far enough broken down that you could actually plant directly into it and grow from that, but it, it will certainly loosen and help put some good microbial life into uh, any kind of soil. Uh, thank you so much. And with that, you have a Merry Christmas. And you do the same, Ed. It's always good to talk to you. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Uh, All right. It's going to be Mike, Michael, and Alice. Oh, well, let's go ahead and talk to Alice because I think her phone cut out on her and she might have another question. Hello again. Hello. Thank you. My phone did die on me. <laughs> what I needed to ask you is, do I plant this where the root, because there's a root right near the sprout. Mm-hmm. Do I plant it uh, sideways or do I plant the pointy end down i'd plant it sideways and i just cover it with uh, good soil basically okay well that's all i needed to know Thank you so much. <laughs> all right well it's my pleasure and now i'll go back to talk to mike good morning mike good morning morning sir hey, um hey i've got a question i just i bought a house a couple months ago and congratulations it's, uh, the front yard the front i think it's uh i haven't identified which one but it's one of the zoysia uh grasses is in the front yard is it a narrow blade or is it a broad blade it's a narrow blade okay it's probably either emerald or el toro um and it's a good grass what can i tell you about it so here's here's the uh, challenge i have with it so um they've had a sprinkler system put in and i don't know if that's what caused it but there's a lot of it's it's not very level that's that's the bottom line is it's not very level so when i mow it's kind of like <laughs> you know, it just doesn't look crisp and square like sure. I'm. I, I want it to be, and I was curious to know if there's anything I can do uh, heading into the spring or when to do it, even um, to kind of help start to get that to level out a little bit. If you were thinking of putting something on top to make it level, how much would you have to add? A half an inch, an inch, two inches? How much would it take? Yeah, so in some areas, I would say uh, easily a half inch. Okay, well, up to a half inch. I mean, just just a good layer of compost. If you want to okay. go, what might be even a little easier, um, your better your better uh, soil companies around uh, are going to sell something they call top dressing, which is a mixture of compost and potete red sand. And I think in areas where you only need to bring it up, say, a quarter of an inch, just straight compost is all I would use. But if you feel like you're going to really have to build some bulk in there, um, ask Stone and Soil Depot or ask one of the good companies for what they call a top dressing, and uh, that'll be a mixture. We we don't like to use most sands, but the potete red sand mixed with compost can be a, a good thing to use. You can use that to totally level the lawn. Uh, any time over the next two or three months is going to be a good time to do it. You would like to get it done before it really starts growing because even if you have to bury it an inch or two deep, the thing about the zoysias is they will put the runners up through whatever you put down. You'll have a nice, even lawn very shortly. 
Okay. So January be a good time. Okay. If that's what fits into your your budget and your energy yeah. schedule, it would be a real good time to do it. Let me tell you the only the only knock about zoysias. I mean, zoysias are a good grass. They're a slow-growing grass. They don't have to be mowed as often. Uh, they're pretty much a trouble-free grass. Unfortunately, they do not stand up to foot traffic as well as Bermuda or even St. Augustine. So um, if you have areas that you're going to be walking, if you have bigger dogs, you're going to be running a given path, you might actually want to put in some defined pathways or flagstone or decayed granite or something like that because you will wear that zoysia down. I grew up in a zoysia yard with a permanently etched baseball diamond in the front yard. So (laughs) that's going to be the only negative to having this kind of grass as your new turf grass. But unless you've got uh, big four-legged friends or lots of little two-legged friends, not going to be an issue. I just want to just want to let you know about things you may come across. That's good to know. Um, Hey, just on a real quick note, the, uh, there was a couple uh, calls ago. There was a, a lady that had mentioned a, certain um uh crepe myrtle that she yeah. thought was real fragrant what was the name on that one tuscarora it's Tuscarora. sort of a okay. salmony pink one it's medium in height eight to ten maybe 12 feet if you're in really good soil real pretty crepe myrtle good to know thank you so much i appreciate your help on this it's always a pleasure mike call me anytime <laughs> thank you right, sir happy holidays. Yeah, to you as Bye-bye. well goodbye all right it's going to be michael and then tracy good morning michael Good morning, Bob. How morning, are you sir. Today? Uh, just, it just doesn't get much prettier than it is out there today. Oh, that's so true. Uh, a couple of comments and then a question, please. Okay. Uh, comments. One, thank you for your show. I've listened to you for years. You're fantastic, and the service you provide is just awesome. Uh, you're very kind. I get a lot of pleasure from it. Well, and my second comment is uh, I've got a yard that, is uh, just full of weeds. It's about an acre of uh, weeds and stuff. And uh, we've called Sam Sitterly, and uh, Sam's been out and give us an, a uh, an estimate. And uh, he's just really a wonderful gentleman, and we appreciate him very much. Well, I look forward. I hope you call me back and let me know. Uh, you know how things progress. Uh, Sam does it right. I can't say that I've watched his work over a long period of time, but. Uh, He's very sincere. I think he's very honest. He's certainly doing things the way I would do them with compost tea and organic products. So uh, yes. uh, take some pictures, uh, do some documentation on how your yard does, and uh, keep me posted on the progress. I'll look forward to hearing about it. Oh, great. I will do that. Uh, now my question, please. I have eight beautiful, well, I have seven now, <laughs> beautiful Bradford pears okay. that uh, border my sidewalk. Mm-hmm. One on the end has just died, and it's been dead for about two years. I tried to leave it alone and see what it would do, and it's clearly dead. It's about They're all about 15 or 20 feet tall. Okay, so they're, and what, six, eight years old? Yeah, they're about 20, I guess. Oh, okay. Like okay. And, and um, so I guess my question is, do I? how do I get rid of that uh, big tree that's dead? Do I have get a... a a company out to can pull it out of the ground and do i just put another one back in that hole or what would you recommend well you know i most of uh the bradfords that i see die is one of two things uh it can be drought i mean we just came out of uh, severe drought into the monsoon right. period 
And if it's at the end of a line, I sometimes question, you know, maybe a sprinkler issue, maybe, you know, something like that. If it's, if the tree is intact and has died. So before you plant anything, I would just look at your irrigation system, try to figure out what it was, especially when it's the end of a line. That's, that's one of the things I suspect. Um, the, the thing that does in most Bradford pears is their weak limb structure. I mean, I drove up toward Dallas a couple of weeks ago and they are so gorgeous this year. And if we get a cold winter, they're going to have beautiful flowers. But if you look at them carefully, they all come about, about six feet. And then they've just got this maze of limbs that comes out. And over time, a lot of those things just start splitting and falling apart in the wind. So uh, that's the one thing you might want to get an arborist to take a look at the remaining ones at some point, see if there's any specific pruning or anything you need to do to maintain the, the structural integrity of the tree might be a good idea. As far as getting the old one down, as far as replacing it, you're not going to pull it out of the ground. Um, if you want it gone immediately, what you're going to do is get somebody that has something called a stump grinder that they literally set down on top of the stump and it just chews it up several inches down into the ground. And uh, that's the fast way to do it. If you want to not spend that money and uh, you're willing to give it uh, six months or so, you can actually take your standard carpenter's drill, put about a five-eighths inch or three-quarter inch spade bit on the end of it, and just drill a bunch of holes down into the stump. Uh, go to a meat processor and buy what they call potassium nitrate or analytical scientific. Go to a nursery and buy what they call stump remover. And you simply fill the holes that you make into the stump. Leave it sit there for, in the case for Bradford Pear, probably four to six months. The potassium nitrate reacts with the wood fiber uh, wood fibers called cellulose. When it reacts with the potassium nitrate, it forms something we call nitro, nitrocellulose, and it becomes very easy to burn. It doesn't flame up. It doesn't explode. I mean, processed nitrocellulose is what they use for powder and shotgun shells, but that's not what you're going to get. But you're going to get this. Uh, the wood is going to get spongy. It's going to make it easier to chop it out if you want to, or if you like, you can just, uh, what they usually recommend, just put two or three charcoal briquettes on top top light and that stump will just smolder down into the ground and you'll be rid of it and that's going to cost you 10 bucks as opposed to a couple of hundred dollars so just depends on what your time frame is uh, you can plant another bradford pear very nearby uh, i would not plant it right on top of where the old tree was because that base those roots are going to gradually deteriorate that soil is going to sink down a little bit but if you go five feet to one side or the other um, you can plant another Bradford pear, and it should do extremely well. The potassium nitrate is actually a good fertilizer, so it's not going to cause any harm uh, to any living trees or any new thing that you plant. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, Bob, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's been very helpful. This is uh, great knowledge. I, it's based on experience, and uh, you know what I say? I love what Will Rogers said. He said, uh, good judgment comes mainly from experience, which comes mainly from bad judgment. So <laughs> I'll keep you from making all the mistakes I've made, and you call me anytime I can help, Michael. Good to talk to you. Thank you, Bob, and Merry Christmas. And to you and your family as well. All right, back to gardening. It's going to be Tracy and Liz and John and Renee. Good morning, Tracy. Good morning, Bob. How are you today? I'm great. How about you? I'm doing awesome. Good. 
Okay, this is this. I have ne- okay. I have these red, large ants. They're they're pale red, and I've never seen them in my yard in piles anywhere. Okay, but they started coming into random places in my house, and they don't travel in a a big group. There might be two, or there might sure. be three, but they're not together. And I put de everywhere. I keep my kitchen clean. It might not just be the kitchen. It could be a random room. Sure. So what could that be? What kind of ant? You know, there are hundreds, if not thousands, of kinds of ants. Um, are they are they truly red or are they sort of a beigey color? Well, yeah, they're they're not they're not really they're not they're kind of a beigey red color. Okay. That's exactly it. They're pale. If I was gonna say they were pale kind of red are they, but they not really red do they run quickly or do they just amble around like many other ants they, yeah not 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 quickly okay i mean they're they're not quick do they have a distinct mound do you know where their mound is no i've, I've never seen these ants in my yard i have fire ants mm-hmm. you know i get those that pop up but i've never seen these big ants okay. i've seen red piles of ants at other people's houses right but I don't have anything yeah. like that oh. in my yard that yeah. I know of. That's that's a Western Harvest rant. I tell you where I would start. I would start with his product from Fertilome called Come and Get It. Actually, I've tried Come and Get It. And that hasn't gotten them? Mm-mm. Okay. I know. I put it in different places. I've tried to put it in walls. Okay. Um, well, here, here's the thing about Come and Get It. It's it's a spinosad product, and spinosad kills ants, but it's just getting it onto an attractant, onto a bait that they like, and obviously these ants don't like that kind of bait. The next thing I would try, and I would do this mainly indoors, outside where you see them, I would just spray with a mixture of orange oil and water. That will kill yeah. them. And um, but If I can find them. If, when you can find them, that's it. Um, but what I would do inside is uh, go to the grocery store or a drugstore or whatever and get some boric acid. Make okay. a mixture of half boric acid and half sugar. Okay. And put it under your counters. Uh, I mean, it's not toxic, uh, super toxic or anything. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I suspect that will be attractive to them, and that will be a pretty good bait. They will come in, they will feed on that, and that's the end of them. So that's what I would try inside. Okay. Outside, I suspect every now and then you may turn over a piece of firewood. You may, you know, you may find an area underneath bricks, underneath rocks, uh, protected mm-hmm. in some area. You flip it over, and you'll see a bunch of them underneath there. That's the place you want to soak with your uh with your orange oil and water mix and you it for now you're just going to be picking off the individual so to speak but eventually i want to hunt yeah (laughs) and and like i say turn over rocks pick up pots um you know every now and then you'll I'll, i'll pick up a piece of wood or i'll pick up a fence post or something like that and man here i see a mm-hmm. bunch of them underneath it and then i'll just douse that whole area with uh, uh orange oil and okay. water and that usually gets rid of them totally and safely i don't think i've ever seen anything in the store called boric acid and i've seen the laundry detergent that might say borax well you can use that if you like 
But uh, go over into the the pharmacy section. You'll usually find boric acid. Uh, people use it as properly, you know, diluted. They dissolve it in water. The uses an eye wash. It has lots of different uses. Um, okay. You should find it in the grocery store. If you don't, try Rhonda's Nature's Way, and they probably will have it for sure. Gotcha. Okay, well, I really appreciate the advice, and I hope you have a great rest of the day, which you and usually do. <laughs> you do the same, Tracy, and get Thank back you. with me with how it works, and let me know what works seems to be working best for you so we can share with others. Okay, great. Thank you. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. All right, uh, Liz is next. Good morning, Liz. Good morning, Bob. How are you? Just another beautiful day out there. I know. It's so beautiful. I know after all that rain and flooding. Right. I'm going to be out oh, delivering right. poinsettias and putting big smiles on people's faces well, this afternoon. that's pretty good. Thank you. That's <laughs> nice of you to do that. That's very nice. Well, a good day for it. Yes, it is. Yes, yes. Listen, I have a citronella and an asparagus fern plant. Okay. And I brought them in thinking they would die in the cold, but they were getting kind of yellowish. Mm-hmm. So I, I moved them back outside. And they they look pretty good still, but, I mean, do I keep them out there? I bring them in tonight. We're going to be very close to freezing tonight. Uh, have you grown geraniums before? No. Okay. It, it, I'm new at all this planting oh, okay. and growing well, and all that. Well, citronella is a form of a geranium. Um, they will take a light freeze. Now, in all honesty, it's going to look ratty in the winter. It's going to look ratty in the summer. In the spring and in the fall, citronella will make an absolutely beautiful plant. Has uh, It has flowers. I'm not going to tell you they're big and showy, but uh, the ideal place in warm weather for your citronella is going to be good strong sun in the morning but a little protection from the hot afternoon sun but it's um they, they just are never real pretty in the middle of the winter or the middle of the summer either one they don't like the super heat they don't like the super cold but when you bring them in keep them in a sunny window and you only have to bring them in when we're going to have a, a freeze as we may very well have tonight yeah you're just that i don't have that much sun coming in from from the outside where, well, where i am just then I put it back know. out as soon as you can i think we're only looking at one really cold night um Mm -hmm. with your asparagus fern uh they will go down in the middle 20s without any damage think about asparagus ferns to stay really green they need to be fertilized pretty often get some has to grow be fertilizing that asparagus fern it's not really fern. It's, they call it asparagus fern, but it is related to edible asparagus. But start feeding mm-hmm. it every couple of weeks with something like has to grow. That will help it look better through the winter months. And next spring, it's going to green up and be absolutely beautiful for you. It only has to come in if we're going to get really cold, like down to 25 or 26 degrees or something like that. Okay. And do I leave them in a pot or am I going to have to plant both of them? Uh, on the ground the the citronella is going to have to stay in a pot the asparagus can be in a pot can be in a hanging basket can be in the ground whatever is easiest for liz to take care of okay uh and another question real quick i have two pine uh kind of bushes that they have not been growing that much at all and they look at times like they want to die and they're in the ground but i've had them about two years and they're not growing, so what? what's wrong? I mean, I guess the sun's not uh, showing too much on them. Well, it? it could be lack of sun. It could be that they're buried too deeply in the ground. could be lack of fertilizer. 
or it could simply be a really slow-growing variety. Do you know what kind they are? Uh, well, I didn't bring the information with me, and I'm not at home. But okay. uh, if you mention maybe one or two, maybe I could remember. Now, did you say they are like pines, or what do the, What does the foliage like a foliage look pine, like? Like a pine. They, they kind of stick to your finger. It hurts. Okay. They are uh, probably some form of juniper. And uh-huh. in all honesty, they're not very good plants for this area. We don't sell a single one of them in our nursery, and I don't recommend them. So it may just be that they are not real well suited. Um, they get a problem called spider mites. They get a disease called Diplodia twig dieback, and they need lots and lots of sun to grow well. So uh-huh. uh, I, in your case, I think it's probably lack of sun is making them weaker. Yes, I think so, too, because there's not too much sun in the area where they're at. Well, I think there would be better choices. Enjoy them while they're there, and when they get too ugly, just cut them down, and we'll talk about something that will bring you more pleasure to put there. Okay. Okay. And what about the weeds for, for now? I mean, if there's a lot of weeds in the yard. Has your uh, grass turned brown? Uh, Yeah, in some areas, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, if you want to, I mean, one thing is just mow the weeds down. But if you want to actually kill the weeds, you can make the mixture of orange oil and vinegar, two ounces of orange oil to a gallon of vinegar. You can go out and spray that over the areas you have weeds, and it will not hurt your grass since your grass has turned brown, but it will kill wow. the weeds. Now it's one of the easiest times to kill out the dandelions, the henbit, the clover, all those things yeah, that want to come out in the winter months. Yeah, yeah. You just spray mm-hmm. with your vinegar orange oil mix. And you won't hurt your grass, but you'll kill those green weeds. They'll be dead in 30 minutes. Oh, good, 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 good. Okay, well, I won't hold you more because I know I've asked you more than one question. That's all right, Liz. I'll be calling you again for another question I have. I'll look forward to helping you whenever you're ready. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Have a good Christmas. You do the same, Liz. Thank Uh you. Bye. All right, 1040 on a beautiful Sunday morning. Uh, Dr. Kirby's in the producer's room. Man, it must be cold out. He's got a coat on. I never see Dr. Kirby with the coat on. So I guess uh, it's going to be a beautiful day out there. It is a little chilly starting out, but let me tell you what, I hope you're planning to spend a bunch of time outside. Uh, your pet's health will be on in about 20 minutes here, so be thinking of questions you may have about your animals around the house. Right now, we've got a little more time for gardening, probably time for another caller or two. We're going to talk to John and Renee. If you want to get your question in this week, you better dial quickly, 210-599-5555. Well, I say good morning to John. What's going on today, sir? Good morning, Bob. How are you? I'm great. How about you? Still too early to complain. <laughs> I hope you don't find much to complain about today. It looks like a nice day out there. Oh, it's beautiful down here where I'm at. Um, question I got, I got two questions. First off, I put some uh, Medina out uh, about three weeks, maybe a month ago. Uh-huh. And I got a, my neighbor's oak tree hangs over and shades almost all of my backyard. And underneath there, my yard's starting to turn yellow. Okay. Um, and I, I put the Medina out, and I mixed up some compost tea. I still got it bubbling right now. I was going to spray that on it, but then we had three inches of rain, so now it's saturated. <laughs> well, you can just spray it on the surface, and uh, it'll be okay. Here's the thing that happens. When we get as much rain as we have had through the fall, uh, your soil gets saturated. Your soil actually starts 
percolating like an old coffee percolator and is bringing up a lot of alkalinity from down below and that's what's making your grass yellow and there's other than green paint there's no way to turn that around real quickly you've done everything you need to do as far as fertilizer but i have to tell you you're going to have to be patient with it you're not going to see a lot of change no matter what you do until it starts coming out next spring and if we go back to our more typical drier weather your grass is fine it's just uh it's just all the moisture has created an unusual situation but when you've been at it as long as i have i've seen it several times and uh um I, you know i wish i could tell you any one thing that would make it a whole lot greener but really only time's going to do that Jane florida i mean that's the only part of the yard everything else it's all carpet grass and everything else is green except for that one spot and i I put the uh, Medina has to grow out there a couple uh-huh. of weeks back, and, and I figured, okay, we'll we'll give it some time, and we've had plenty of rain, and I'm like, well, well let's go. Well, if, if you could take time. a cross-section through, you know, our soils, you would see certain areas where we have what are called caliche domes, where that caliche comes up a lot closer to the surface, and I suspect that if you were to dig down in that area, you'd find you're just getting into lousy soil a whole lot more quickly. It'll turn around for you. I, again, I don't uh, there's nothing else that I would really suggest doing. Uh, maybe a little thin layer of compost over it would be fine, but I think it's going to green up fine for you this spring. I think it's just probably an area where your soil's a little thinner, and that's why it's the only area you're seeing in your yard. Okay, I'll go to uh, to uh, Earthworks this coming week and pick up a couple bags of compost. Yeah, and you tell Laurie I said hello when you do it. I will. Uh, other question I have is right behind that area where I have that grass, there's like a an old uh i guess it's a shrub there's a couple of shrubs growing up with some weeds and there's some other stuff but all of that's fixing to get cleaned out and i want to kind of make a raised garden okay i was going to come up with uh two by 12s and then go you know probably 20 feet 20 or 30 feet long and probably four foot wide okay Uh, what can i line on the inside of that or would you even line it i wouldn't line it with anything i would what kind of wood are you going to use probably treated treated wood paint it paint it with a good cedar uh sealer um get and you can use stain or or uh paint i probably would use an epoxy type paint and that's going to be better if you put a liner in there you're just going to hold moisture against those even that treated wood's going to rot out quickly for you if you paint it and actually seal it you'll extend the life of the wood you'll seal in the chemicals that are in the wood and you'll accomplish everything and more than you would have with a liner Bob, I appreciate it. Thank you very much, and have a good day. Appreciate you, sir. You have a good holiday season, and uh, we will talk again. And uh, let's see here. Next up is going to be Renee. Good morning, Renee. Hi. Good morning, Bob. How are you Good morning. I'm great. How about you? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. It's a gorgeous day down here. I'm just glad to see the sun shining again. (laughs) Amen to that. Yeah, um, just to remind you, I haven't called in in a long time. I'm down by the uh, Corpus Christi area in right. the northwest of the city. Uh-huh. I know it's a different climate climate area, but I actually just wanted to call to share something with you and, and, the, um, and the listeners of something that my husband and I discovered, oh, probably about two years ago now we've been doing it, that uh, it. I had ne- never heard about before and just stumbled on them by accident. 
Um, composters, you were talking about worms earlier, right? And um, I found something better than worms. Oh, what is that? And they're called they're called soldier flies. Oh have yeah, you ever heard of them before? Oh, oh yeah, you, have. you uh, okay. you you haven't been listening too long. Bruce Dooley used to be on the air here, and I think Bruce is in love with soldier flies. And uh, yeah, they oh, are. Okay. They're not the most attractive things in the world, but. Uh, uh, they make everything from making good compost to making good uh, fish food to, yeah, soldier flies, soldier fly larvae are absolutely outstanding things. You're a little more trouble to maintain than worms, but uh, they sure do produce good compost. Well, that's been the total opposite for us down here. We really? tried to do some worms in our bins, um, but yeah, yeah. And we gave up on that. We uh-huh. absolutely gave up. How we stumbled on them is I do actually, um, I do container gardening, mm-hmm. you know, a little above the ground. And I had some old half wine barrels that I was planting some things in. And I like to periodically rest the bins right. and just, just compost in them. Just, you know, just throw it in there, mix it in, mix it in the soil, let them, let, let it rot and let it put some more nutrients in there. And we were noticing as we turn it over, the little, Skele- uh, I'm going to call them skeletons of them, I guess, uh-huh. once they hatch out into the little little flies. That, yeah. that, uh, but they're not really flies, actually, but the little bugs that they are. And um, we were like, what are these things? <laughs> well, we, we just by chance had decided to we, – we had a couple of bins that we were done. We didn't want to touch them anymore. We wanted them to let, finish doing their job so that we could go and plant in them. So we started uh, composting in an old cattle mineral bin, mm-hmm. you know, one of those big old yeah. black tubs. Tubs, yeah. And, yep, and um, we just started throwing the stuff in there, and we actually put the cap on it just just because, figured, because we were actually getting a lot of volunteer sprouts. So we said, you know uh-huh. what, and we were so tempted to want to plant every little volunteer that popped up <laughs> of all of our vegetables. Sure. We just said, let's put the cap on it, let them just kind of, let, let, let the sprouts rot into the into the compost, too. And they came by the droves. Yeah. I mean, yeah. just unbelievable and they are such efficient little eaters they will eat anything and and to me they're no worse than earthworms i i mean worms are worms you know sure, I mean? right so, well I'd, again so you are ob- pretty to me but you obviously have a, an ideal situation for them and you know some people find one thing easier some people find others but i'm glad you discovered the soldier flies because they have a lot going for them i would suggest if you haven't already done so put some holes in the bottom of those uh, big old molasses tubs or whatever so that you do get good air good uh you know you, you don't get, let it go anaerobic on you but uh i appreciate you bringing that up i haven't i, I haven't talked about soldier flies in a while that yeah. uh i encourage everybody to look them up and and you're right they are a great way to compost and i sure appreciate your sharing it with us renee and they're also not flies that bother you they just hatch they they do their reproduction job in one day and then they're back to being worms and eating again uh, so there you go now, they're not beautiful <laughs> creatures but they're very efficient creatures so again exactly. thanks for sharing and we'll talk again all right thank you you have a good weekend you do the same thank you bye-bye bye All right, back to gardening and back to the phone lines. Uh, yeah, we're going to work out real well on time here. And Jimmy's up first. Good morning, Jimmy. Good morning, sir. Morning. Uh, I have a question. I have a question on the, can I go ahead and put those coffee grinds around my oak tree? Oh, absolutely. Oak and also my Monterey oak. Now, do I put it 
up uh, close to the to the trunk or the outside or what? You put them anywhere you like. <clears throat> I would not put them against the trunk, but I okay. just sprinkle them out. Uh, there's no such thing really as too many coffee grounds unless you're in the coffee producing business and making you know a thousand pounds a week or something like that but coffee grounds benefit the soil in a number of ways they're slightly acidic coffee grounds grow a large number of beneficial fungi don't worry when you put these things out you're going to see some pretty funny looking fungus come up that may be orange and blue and yellow and <laughs> it may wonder what you've got going out there, but it's all good stuff, and uh, it's also the earthworms love it. They uh, they eat the coffee grounds and produce uh, some other very beneficial things. So there's really nothing bad about the uh, about the coffee grounds. I wouldn't put them on too thickly. I would spread them out to where they don't really make a layer. But you can use them in your flower beds, your vegetable garden, your grass around your trees. Uh, uh, you just use them anywhere you like. They're great things, and they're free. Okay. Another one is I collect eggshells, and I put them in the blender. Uh-huh. <clears throat> Can I go ahead and mix those eggshells with a coffee you grinds, or, or it's best not to do that? Oh, no. You can mix them together. Now, I will tell you that in other parts of the country, eggshells do a lot to improve the soil. They do a lot to improve the garden. Here, they really don't have a lot of benefit. I'd rather see you put them in the compost pile than put them in the, you know, in the trash to go into the landfill. But yeah. eggshells are not going to do nearly as much for you. Eggshells are super valuable in soils that are low in calcium. Our soils are so high in calcium that, uh, that they're not really doing any good. So don't go out of your way to collect extra eggshells. But mixing them up with your coffee, that's going to be just fine. Okay, one more one more question here. Yes, sir. I have some banana trees, and I went and I cut them down, okay, and I covered them up. Okay, my, my leftover that, uh, I think it's a, uh, what do you call it, stock or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Can I do anything to those? I mean, do I, do, can I put them out there so they can dry up? Can I burn them, or, or what no, do I they, do to they them? Are, they are so full of water that they wouldn't burn if you tried to light them. On the other hand, they're going to decompose and melt down to almost nothing because they're like 95% water. But throw them in your compost pile, let them rot. They will turn into good compost, and uh, you can use them anywhere you like. As you may, unfortunately, have discovered, there's nothing that stains as badly as the sap from oh, a good yeah. nanopol. So right, right, it, right. Uh, but but no, they're gonna they're gonna decay pretty quickly, and uh, like I said, they make a good compost. But uh, they're gonna break down pretty much as all that water goes away, and then you just use that compost like you'd use any other compost. Okay, and one thing, one more thing. I planted one banana tree. Out of that one banana tree, I think I got twenty-five. <laughs> they, this, is, this has been in the last uh, three or four years. Yeah, they they're they all together. I mean, you know. As, as you've noticed, they put on the little new shoots out to the side. If it was a really big tree, that central tree may not come back. And if it made a stalk of bananas, it definitely will not come back. But all those little ones coming up around it will come back, even if they freeze to the ground. If you want to spread them around and plant them in other places or share them with your friends, wait until they start putting on their growth in the spring, and then you can get in there with a sharp shovel and uh, dig them up and move them elsewhere, or you can just leave them alone and they just make an ever-expanding clump. Okay. All righty. That's it. That's it, sir. Thank you very much. Sir. Good okay. questions. Thank you for the call, Jimmy. You're welcome. Yes, Bye. Julie's up next. Good morning, Julie. 
Good morning. Good morning. Um, I'm in the Pipe Creek area. Okay. And um, I have two artichoke plants that um, is a year old and two of them that are two. Uh-huh. And um, come towards, I guess it was around August, they had played out and you couldn't even see any leaves anymore. They uh-huh. had died out. Right. But now they've come back really pretty, probably two foot tall, three <laughs> foot tall. Yep. Spread out. Um, so are they going to freeze back when we get a freeze? It we've already had a you know we've already had a pretty good freeze. I live not too far from you. I live on Forty Six West as you're headed over toward Bernie, uh, from Pipe yeah. Creek. But um, the artichokes will be evergreen unless we get just a super hard freeze. Uh, mine, I've had them down in the low twenties, and they've never really frozen back. If they do, they will come back out from the base. And what you're seeing is just their normal life cycle. A lot of people give up on them; they die back to ground level, and they think they're all dead, and you know nothing more to yeah. do with them. You leave them alone; they come back out. You should have a pretty good crop of artichokes this next year. I would. I would just water them periodically through the winter. If you get a little freeze damage, it's almost certainly not going to hurt them. If this turns into one of those years that they say we're going to get to 10 degrees, yeah, I might put a little insulate or something over them. I'd probably put a little mulch, even if it's just shredded leaves or something around the base. But I can think of a lot of other things that are going to suffer from the cold a long time before the artichokes do. Yes. Um, Okay. So last year... When they were putting on their little vegetables or fruits, whatever uh-huh. they are. Flowers. Um, yes, actually, yeah. They're, <laughs> so, um, but, you know, some of them didn't get very big, but the leaves started acting like they were wanting to open up mm-hmm. and become the flower. So I went on and picked them because I wanted the food instead of the flower. Right. So is that right? I mean, when they start trying to pull away, open up, well, then that's, that's the time you got to pick it. They're not going to get any bigger, huh? That's exactly right. And um, some varieties make uh, what you're eating is basically a big flower bud. And some varieties will get bigger than others. Many plants, if they make a bunch of uh, of chokes, a bunch of buds, they'll all be a little smaller. If they make just a few, sometimes they make just a giant bud on there. And it's just kind of like flowers. Sometimes you'll see a given plant that produces a whole bunch of little flowers or just a few big ones, roses or things that do that. And it's just kind of the way the artichokes grow. But uh, you're exactly right. You watch them when those uh, those petals or as it were really start to open up harvest them they're just as delicious when they're small as they are when they're large it's just a little bit more trouble to eat them yes and the bigger uh, the plants yeah. get the more mature the plant gets the more of the big buds you will have on them okay so um i have chickens and horses uh-huh. so that's actually what i've been putting around i'm not real close to the crown yep. Is is yeah, your your chicken? Yeah, your chicken manure is real good. Your horse manure is fine, except it may bring in weeds, and you have to be real sure your horses weren't eating any treated uh, hay that might have been treated with herbicides. But uh, chicken manure, it's one of the absolute best things that you can use around your artichokes and everything else. If you let it sit and break down just a little bit first, that'll make it even better.